Greetings and welcome to Worship Matters, the podcast from Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church, located in Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. This podcast deals with the intricacies of planning worship each week. I'm Derek Weber, Director of Preaching Ministries. And I'm Diana Sanchez Bouchong, Director of Music Ministries. And during this time of transition from virtual to in-person and hybrid worship, the worship team has endeavored to provide conversations that inspire worship teams and leaders to seize this moment and realize the opportunities before the church, finding ways to help those worshiping with us to re-engage and shape the church we are becoming. Today's conversation revolves around a topic most church folks have a love-hate relationship with, and that's digital media. Who knew two years ago that we would be launched headlong into creating virtual worship services and having to learn how to navigate the ins and outs of the internet, namely Facebook Live and YouTube? We went from meeting in person to virtual gatherings at a moment's notice and had to start figuring out copyright laws, licensing, and who at the church had some knowledge of what to do with iPads and iPhones and cameras and where do you stand and all of that kind of stuff. So as we continue this love-hate relationship with digital media in our everyday ministry, with us today are three people who are here to share what they've learned through trial and error. They are, in fact, part of a digital media committee for the Western North Carolina Annual Conference. And so I'd like to welcome Michael Simons, Rob Hutchinson, and Stephen Adair, who comes to us from United Methodist Communications. Welcome, gentlemen. We're so delighted to have you here today. So I'm going to ask you if you would please introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about your ministry and what you do in the area of digital media. Thanks for having us. Uh, I'm Rob Hutchinson. I'm a pastor in the Western North Carolina Conference. I've been in uh, local church uh, for the last 29 years or so, up until last uh, this last June, where I was appointed as the director of church development for our conference. And uh, one of the areas of responsibility that I have is uh, we, we get to dabble in some of the research and development and, and also uh, found ourselves right in the middle of this thing we call digital worship. And uh, our conference has been working with Jason Moore and the Both And Movement and mm. offer a a grant cohort process that focuses on best practices for digital worship and, and also offers a little bit of help and guidance with equipment and those kind of things. And so we just finished our first cohort and we had 60 churches uh, that were in the first one for I guess the last six months of 2021, and we are just about to start a new cohort. We we have 36, 37 churches in this one, and they'll meet once a month with Jason Moore and talk about, you know, best practices and interact. Jason does a a secret worship kind of interview with them and goes over with their worship teams some aspects about uh, both and worship ministry for their context and develop a plan on, you know, where they're going to go next and what they're going to work on next. And and we continue to offer things uh, throughout the conference too at the larger level and for individual churches on uh, how to best navigate through that. So a lot of my experience in digital ministry, I, I was a pastor in a church 
you know, when quarantine hit. So I had a little bit of that firsthand part of it. Uh, but for last eight months or so, we've really been working with lots and lots of other churches and lots of different contexts and uh, listening to stories and uh, of both victories as well as, as you said, that, you know, that love, hate, frustration uh, mm. in the midst of, of what this looks like. So I love the cohort idea that you all are spearheading at Western North Carolina. And maybe that's something that others should be thinking about doing if they haven't already. So maybe we can come circle back to that at some point. So, Mike, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thanks. And thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Mike Simons. I, I, I'm actually, in this case, I'm a, I'm a layperson at Guilford College United Methodist Church. We're in Greensboro, North Carolina, and, and part of the Western North Carolina Conference. And uh, whether he regrets it or not, I happen to be the first person that our pastor called when we realized in <laughs> March of 2020, right, that, that we wouldn't be meeting in our sanctuary for a while. Mm-hmm. And not sure we knew at that point what we were getting into. We're, we're a fairly large and vibrant congregation, I would say, but we were totally unprepared for the context shift that, that happened around that time. Yeah, I, I look back on it and we were recording our worship services and putting mm-hmm. them on DVDs and driving them to people. We that was that was our, you know, that was as far as digital media went with us. Mm. Um, and and that camera we were using, you look back on it now, it was it still had the capability of recording onto video cassettes. So that was kind of where we were at that point. VHS. Even though we were, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, actually, I think it was I think it was beta beta okay. beta cassettes. But but you know, we would have hundreds of people in the congregation, that, you know, on Sundays. But that just wasn't for whatever reason wasn't a, a priority for us. And mm-hmm. we were we were just so naive about the journey that we were about to start at that point. But you know, it. it I, I look back on it now and just think, you know, where uh, how fortunate I was to. Because for me, it revitalized what I thought worship was mm. uh, for, for me. And, and, and I felt so bad because so many of my friends were, were feeling I'm more disconnected kind of than ever. And I'm like, well, can you please come and take some of these things off my plate? Because I'm more connected to more things than I think I ever had been at that point. Wow. And so we, we can explore maybe a little bit of, of what that journey was like uh, and some of the things that we went through. But at some point during that journey, I also realized, you know, it became very apparent to me that the things that we're struggling with as a congregation, others have to be struggling with as well. Oh, yeah. And uh, and so I reached out to our district first and and we had some some conversations with a few local churches. And then eventually I, I heard about about Rob and his work with with the both and cohort. And while that cohort was already in progress, we we are actually going to be in, in the next cohort that's starting I think tomorrow, actually. I realized, well, there's some other things that we struggle with that even some of the things that you mentioned about licensing and copyright and, you know, safe sanctuaries and how, how do we do this and how do we some more, more of the tactical things. And so I said, hey, hey Rob, is, is there a group of people that we can start to get together to just have conversations about these bigger picture things? And he recommended a few and, and we've started to meet on a monthly basis. And that's that part of that digital media working group that, that you mentioned earlier. So, you know, just thrilled, thrilled to be part of this community of people who are helping to to re-understand, you know, what worship means and, yes. and, and it, you know, and how it moves forward. Yeah. Oh, great. Thank you so much. Stephen, what about you? Tell us about yourself. 
I am Stephen Adair, and uh, professionally, I uh, work at United Methodist Communications, and uh, our team is tasked and has the the blessing to uh, help our local United Methodist churches around the United States mainly, but also around the world, do uh, marketing and communications more effectively. That's in areas of social media, website building, uh, having a great presence online, along with uh, branding and logo services and, and, and quite a few other things. So personally, I'm a lifelong member of Glendale United Methodist Church, and uh, fortunately, being up to the pandemic, we were already live streaming our services. So it wasn't a huge adjustment right off the bat that I know many of our churches were facing. But we, we did start out uh, on an iPhone up on a tripod in the window, which I think <laughs> many of our uh, local churches can identify with. Yes. We moved to uh, Sling Studio to help us up the game. Just never know how sound plays a role. It's so important that people can hear you uh, when you are live streaming, when they're joining in from home or wherever they may find themselves. So uh, that helped us up the game by plugging into the sound system and, and providing a better audio quality. And now we've moved, uh, we've upgraded from that as well to a whole full live streaming camera setup with multiple cameras on the walls in the sanctuary. So I think if there's one lesson to be learned, I know our churches are, are on the spectrum. Some still aren't even live streaming. Some don't think they're doing it that well. And I think everybody else can probably still improve in various ways. So I hope that uh, that, that is a lesson uh, taken from, from our, our conversation here today is that there are always areas, no matter the size of your church, to improve in that. Amen. That's one thing we discovered early on is that the learning curve was steep, but now we're discovering it continues <laughs> and we're still learning and still growing and still changing. Now we gave you all some some questions to help us in this conversation, but I'm going to throw a little curve and I'm going to change the first question a little bit and ask you to, to think about two things. I want to I want to know what one thing have you learned this year about the technology? And then what is one thing you have learned about the legalities? Because we have a whole lot of people who are asking questions about copyright and all that kind of stuff. And you all have hinted that you've explored some of that. And you may not feel like experts at that, but anything that you can provide to help us think about both those things, the technology and how to make it work well, how to use what we have, but also the legalities. What, where do we go? What do we do? How do we make these things happen? So from your experience, you know, what is, what is one thing that you think, if I had only known this two years ago, it had really been helpful to me in this, in this journey. I'll, I'll jump in. This is, okay, this Mike. is Mike. Um, and and maybe I'll 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 lead things off with the legality because that's actually a little bit harder for me because I I I'll I'll be I'll be completely transparent. I'm I'm not a social media person. I I don't know if I've ever published anything on YouTube prior to you know two years ago. Hmm. Um, you know that's that's the point. Uh, I'm 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 the I'm the incarnation of that Betamax cassette that was in our video <laughs> uh, uh, camera. So that's a foreign world to me. And one of the things that was kind of I was surprised to learn is that, and I knew that there were licensing things that we needed to do uh, because I saw them at church. You know, we put up on the slides as we presented them. There's there is. There is a big difference between getting licensure to present things in front of a live congregation versus licensure associated with putting things on the internet. They are entirely different mm. things, and there are different licensing requirements. The license that you get that allows you to put up lyrics and even maybe 
videos or other things that are in your in your live congregations, it does not allow you to put even that same content on the internet uh, as part of your your broadcast. Now that, that that was kind of a big revelation to me. One one of the things I, I I'll I'll just kind of plant the seed is that I recognized how little information I knew. And so I, I reached out to GCFA and to Stephen and, and to others and, and just researched a whole lot. Of, uh, I'll, I'll give uh, give full credit to Stephen and, and Diana. They, they had a great YouTube video that they put out uh, about licensing and started the, really some of the conversations that I had with others as well. Rob, what do, what did, what do you know about legality? What's What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I, I know that, and I've learned from personal experience and from lots of other churches that the Facebook algorithms could care less whether you have a CCLI mm. license or not. Right, and yeah. that, you know, one of the practical pieces that uh, some folks in our first cohort began to discover too is, you know, if you are doing a song, and sometimes I, I know of churches that have done a song so well and so close to the re- original recording that Facebook flagged it because they thought it was, mm-hmm. you know, that they were, the church was playing, you know, a particular song. So that's mm-hmm. where I come back to. They, they don't care whether it's you live or not. It's just, it's an algorithm and that's how they, they mm-hmm. base that on. But, but they're interesting, just a little practical thing that we've learned. Uh, there's a couple of churches that their uh, band is practicing or that kind of thing. They, they go ahead and publish it on a private thing. It's not their public one, but the algorithm will still pick that up. And if it's something that's going to get caught, it'll get caught there so they can adjust it before they do it when they're live. So um, that's just a little practical thing that, that mm. some of our groups have learned to try to prevent that when you can. But we also know that sometimes they just flag them anyway for yeah. not even quite sure what the reason is. So uh, it is a difficulty and a, a thing that's out there. And, and I think uh, what I do appreciate you know, is the work that a lot of folks have done to educate people on all the different copyright things and that live streaming is a completely separate copyright and licensing mm-hmm. thing from from just using the song. So uh, I know that's kind of a basic thing, but it, it's still something as we're all learning about this, uh, just to keep in mind. And I, I appreciate the churches that are really striving to to keep the integrity of, of who we are and, and following the laws and, mm-hmm. and respecting the copyrights and those kind of things. So, it, it, it seems like a pain sometimes to have to do that, but you're yeah, right, exactly. Rob, it's about integrity. It's about yeah. obeying the law. <laughs> You know, we, we have to set a precedent and, and do it right. Yeah, and caring, you know, it's a justice issue for our artists. Um, right. Caring for them when we do the, the right thing here, they are able then to make some money from their art. And then the church gets to benefit from that art as well. Yeah, so what about technology? What are What are some new things that you've learned you want to share about technology, not just the legalities? And Stephen, jump in here anywhere you want. I was going to uh, hold on the on the copyright part. Um, other people are much more knowledgeable on that. I always pull Diana into my conversation <laughs> have to do with that. But you know, as far as technology, you know, again, like we we've we've had three iterations of technology. I think I wish there was a one size fits all solution, like for our team to like help local churches. But everybody's sanctuary is different. Their Wi Fi is different. Their internet capabilities. Mm-hmm. If you're rural, you might not even have internet access or the leadership team doesn't want to purchase it. Um, I mean, there, there it runs the gambit of, um, of, of issues that come up to have a good effective feed. And, you know, I would say something that I've learned this year, and it sounds so basic. When we talk about online worship. I bring it up because I feel like I look at other churches around our area just to be curious. How can we improve? What's somebody else doing better than we're doing? Mm-hmm. What ideas can I 
you know, gain from, from elsewhere. Um, you know, a lot of our churches, and this sounds very basic, don't show all the empty pews in your sanctuary in the live stream video. For some reason, about 90% of churches that I watch do that. And I know that that sounds so basic and elementary, but I think just looking at everything you do, the sound, the video angles, just just everything, um, engagement, that's a whole nother conversation on how you engage your audience and make them feel as a part of, as if they were in the space. But that's, you know, that we can, I can go on and on about that one. But, you know, looking at it from the outsider's point of view, like the person seeking or looking for a new church, how are they viewing what you're showing and what they're hearing? You know, do we need to see the 20 empty pews where there's five people? I think right now it's a reality that most of our churches have less in-person attendance than they did the pandemic. People are, are not coming back, you know, in full force. Um, I think another thing is, is to make sure that the churches, I've, I've heard this recent thing, and maybe I've just heard more about it lately, but churches are now going away from live streaming their worship services because they feel like that's keeping people at home and not getting them back in the pews. And I just, in my opinion, that is the absolute wrong direction mm. moving. We've had people as a growing United Methodist Church Throughout a pandemic, we continue. We're on week three of eight of adding new members right now uh, in the middle of Omicron. And you know, I think we've had people that have come that have been watching us online for months before they even came in the door. Not weeks, not just last week. They say months. It's taking that long for people today to feel comfortable walking into a church for various reasons. I won't go into all that, but um, you know, I think. It just shows the importance of you need to have an effective online worship experience because that is the front door uh, into the church. I think to say the website's the front door. I think your online streaming is the front door. Yeah. yeah. Stephen, this is Rob. If I could follow up on that, I, to come back to the original question that Derek posed to us was one thing you have learned this year uh, about this. And uh, for us, we continue to come back to the centrality and the whole reason we do this has got to center around relationships. If, if that's not the driving reason for us to put all this time and effort into the technology and the, how we're doing it, then we, we might as well just hang it up. This should be about us connecting with new people, connecting people to one another through the worship experience, and, and certainly a primacy of connecting people to God through worship. And if relationships is not what's driving us for that, and that's what I heard you talking about, Stephen, it is, mm-hmm. uh, it, that's this is what it's about. We want to be able to connect with people and, and, you know, it's going to bleed into some of those other questions. What's, what's ahead of us. I mean, what, what a gathering, how we define a gathering uh, is going to be incredibly informed and changed and shifted by this understanding of the both and of yes, some folks are, are longing to be in person and, and others uh, have been looking for an excuse to, to not have to, you know, be with people, you know, the quarantine was the best thing that ever happened to them. And some of those folks are more engaged in church than they ever were Mm. before because Mm -hmm. they've found a freedom in that. And so, but it all comes back to, again, about relationships as as this is yet another tool, just, just like a microphone was or a screen and all all those other things that we've, we use as tools to help us connect with people, our our live streaming and to be able to, to digitally broadcast our worship services and share those is another tool to ultimately help us be connected to people. Yeah. Can I grab that Rob um, and, and ask the follow on question. And that is, can we really do hybrid, do both at the same time, or do we have one track that's, that's digital, one track that's in person? Because the demands of the medium 
are different. Yep. You know, yep. what's think, your what's your opinion yeah. about that? So I, I am in the unique position of being able to see the whole spectrum. Western North Carolina, we have multiple thousand member churches, and a couple of them were part of our first cohort. We have little tiny churches that only have, you know, had 10 people in worship before the pandemic, you know, and the whole spectrum. And to answer your question, I think it's yes, it's a, it is truly a both and, and your context matters. And if your church is in a place where you can have both things going on and you can do live stream at the same time, because there's, there's an, there's a pro for that to connect people at the same time and worship at the same relative moment. I mean, there is the delay and all those kind of pieces. And then there's also the, the pros of people who are, are doing, you know, a lot of the pre-produced, you know, things that are exclusively for digital audiences. We have mm-hmm. a couple of churches that do a digital worship at, nine o'clock and then they go and do their in-person thing at 10 and they are two completely separate things. They have the time and the space and the resources and the people power and the know-how to be able to do both of those things. Then there's also a lot of churches that they don't have the capacity to do that. And mm-hmm. and so for their context and, and for, for them connecting to their community and to the folks that God's calling them to reach out, you know, doing it live and doing it all at the same time is what makes the most sense for them. I don't think they're, in my opinion, in my experience, what I've seen across the board, there's not a universal right or wrong for this. I I truly think that it depends on the context and what you have the capability for. There's some of the big churches that have all the bells and whistles and they're still focused on, they feel like doing it, doing everything live simultaneously Mm -hmm. is the best expression of who they are and how they've been called to do it. They also will tell you they are having a a growing uh, on-demand audience that is taking that and is watching that experience later on in the week. And they watch their numbers throughout the week. They check Mm -hmm. it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Mm -hmm. and it continues to grow. And so it's, it's not a one or the other. I don't, I don't think it's a binary (laughs) choice. I I really, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't believe that. It's a whole new world. Yeah. And, and And to build and to build on that, Rob, those are, those are, you know, insights that that I hadn't really thought about until we started having some of our conversations. I think it's possible. It, the 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 key thing for many of us, however, is is to just get started. And, and that was that was the difficult thing for many of us, even at the start of the journey. Is that there's this we, we have this self imposed pressure that I have to I can't I can't leap into this pool until it's perfect. And that is absolutely not the case that that, you know, we our journey started with literally an iPhone propped against some hymnals in a dark closet with a projector <laughs> on a cement wall behind us. Uh, and 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 it was no, no offense, but it was not really all that good. <laughs> but but you, you got know, started. A, but we got started. Right. It's, it's, yeah. it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like uh, saving money. It's just just start somewhere mm-hmm. um because we went from there to as, as rob's mentioned then we recorded a service and that was happening somewhere else and we realized hey you know what i can record this service this sermon i can record this sermon on soil you know out at the community garden and mm-hmm. wow we got a great response to that mm-hmm. we would have never done that before but mm-hmm. we were forced to experiment so we went from there to recording a service elsewhere and then we went from there to saying okay well let me take a step and and record that service maybe in the sanctuary now let me record a a practice live stream and then well then let me live stream with nobody in the sanctuary and then let me practice live streaming with people in the sanctuary and and just that you you don't need to feel like it has to be 
picture perfect at the start. Uh, we we yeah. are given so much uh, grace. Grace, yes. Yep. Yep. And, and and I don't think we give ourselves credit for that. That that our you know folks want to be in worship, <laughs> and they give us grace. So so it's it's a matter of just finding finding any place to start and start mm-hmm. from there and and grow. Yeah, and I think figuring stuff out as you go. I mean, that's yeah. that's that's yeah. so important. But as you figure that out, you know what what do you want to advise people to avoid? <laughs> What's the no? Stephen shared a little bit when he said about don't show empty pews. You know, focus on where the action is and what the speaker is doing. But but what other things would you say? Do you, should a waste of time is is the way we put it, or are other things that you learned and then rejected and moved on a different way? But what could we avoid? Um, it's almost a double reverse negative answer to your question, but is avoid thinking that, you know, you, you can buy the perfect piece of equipment that's that's going to fix everything and make everything right. And and on the front end, know that whatever you buy right now, there's going to be a better version of it coming out in six months and mm-hmm. not avoid fretting about that, uh, just to accept that as part of the reality of innovation. And, in, you know, there have been some incredible, Stephen could probably speak to this more. It sounds like they've really followed some of the progression, but just in the last nine months, there's been some huge leap forwards and in, in the application of the technology for streaming that are going to directly benefit churches in the long run as they figure out the you know specifics of that with NDI and uh, some of the other ways to connect all these different pieces of equipment that we've, you know, in the past have had, you know, whole big eight foot long tables, two of them, you know, that cover all of our equipment to produce our worship services. And, and now you, you, know, you can hold it in your hand. You can hold it in your hand. You know, there's a guy that we work with that does live streaming for groups all over the country all the time for groups from five to a thousand and he brings the same suitcase carry-on luggage that carries all of his equipment that can be stored in an overhead bin, everything for yeah. the whole spectrum. And that can be, yeah. you can do it. I mean, you are giving up some things, you know, if from the, you know, super uber professional side of things. But, you know, what to avoid is worrying about trying to, if my investment is this going to be worth it, what about do I wait for the next thing to come out? I, I think you go with what works for your context right now and know that, that a better thing is probably going to come out next month or, or, or at least in the next six months and just give give that up of, of trying to keep up with everything. Mm. Our motto at Glendale is to do simple, exceptional. There um, you go. I like and, that. You know, I think that you know, I, we try to keep it easy. You know, we have a youth, actually, one of our youth, he runs our live stream every Sunday, which for one empowers the youth that they're making a quite critical difference in the life of the church. We have to have that being done. So, you know, not only does it give it a spot, give, give him a spot to, to serve, but if he's not there or somebody else can't do it, I know how to turn it on and just leave it set. It might not move around a different angle, but it's still functional. And through the system that we have that is very simple to run, very simple. And the, the past ones that we had too, an iPhone's very simple to hit go live. And mm-hmm. Link Studio gave us multiple camera angles. It actually allows us the flexibility to actually worship outside and still have cameras and go live stream from not inside the building. So we've we still use that from time to time. You know, but when looking at what the technology was, that next step, 
We always made sure that it wasn't going to overly complicate things. We don't, we are not a church that has a tech team that we pay people. And that's most of our churches. They don't have that. And and honestly, I would hope that most churches, you know, that are growing or or on the cusp of that, at least can, can find some people in their congregation to empower to do that. not have to pay everybody to do stuff, you know, from this pretty simple system that we have that provides really high quality uh, live stream experience for those at home. We're streaming to Facebook, YouTube through a plugin from our Facebook to our website. Uh, last Sunday, we added, we're streaming on Twitch. And then this last Sunday, we're streaming on Twitter too. That was a new one that added on live or on restream uh, that platform. Uh, Twitter was just added to that. So I added that on and why not? Let's just be everywhere. So you, know, you can have such wide reach through some very simple tools and I know that the challenge is, is for one, the technology and what the right solution is, but then finding those, the, the right programs to then push out your live stream. And, you know, I know that there's various, I've, I've heard of so many, but we use Restream and it's really, really simple. So, but there's, you know, I know that it's tough to figure out all the pieces, but you can do it so easily. Um, and there's so many resources out there explaining for how churches can, can really jump in and do it. So you mentioned Restream, there's Twitch. And I've heard you mention Discord, which is another streaming service. Is that correct? I'm not a Discord expert, but I know some churches definitely utilize that uh, for for, uh, engaging with their their online congregations even today. Yeah, and Discord is is kind of on the rise a bit. Uh, It it originated with with the gaming community, in fact. (laughs) The, The difference between like a Discord approach and Facebook Book or, or YouTube, uh, Facebook, YouTube, those are things that, that people can pretty easily search and find you. Discord is once I've kind of already got a community and I want, really want to pour into that community and, and give them a space where, where they can meet. But that, that certainly is an, an arena where you can do live stream. We have a new church plant uh, in our conference that is uh, all digital. It's for geeks, gamers, and nerds. It's Checkpoint Church. Uh, Nathan Webb's the pastor. They use Discord as they, if you want to use an imagery for it, that's their church building. That's where people who they've connected with through the other various platforms, whether it's YouTube or Facebook or something they've dropped on uh, on Snapchat or something they, uh, uh, TikTok, whatever it's going to be. Discord is the place that they invite people to come and to to grow in community and be in community. It is, it's it's not really discoverable for somebody who's just, you know, outside Surfing. your group just mm-hmm. to look for, you know, you won't find them that way. But so, you know, there are, again, that's the different nuances and different ways, you know, you know, one of the questions is where the future of this is going. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know that that's the complete future. It is one of the ways uh, that I think church is going to manifest itself. I don't think it is going to be the way or uh, the only way. Again, in this, this both and world that we live in, it's we're going to continue to be the church the way they have been. And the continuum kind of for digital ministry is, you know, Nathan's ministry is out on one end of the continuum of, you know, just like we used to send missionaries to whatever country it is or someplace else, Nathan is wandering into the internet, going into the highways and byways and interacting with people out in the world that way. A lot of other churches are meeting this where they're just pushing, not just, but they are able to push their existing ministries out into the digital world. And the digital world becomes another avenue to come into the church and to be connected to the church and to connect uh, and to push out the things that they're doing and, and experiencing and interacting with out to the world uh, that way. But and the way that they've been, church is going to continue. This is just another 
addition, another expression, um, another complexity, another texture of what church is going to be for them. Wow. Checkpoint churches, if, if, if folks are not familiar with that, that's definitely something worth worth checking out. Derek, back to your, your question about what's not helpful or what's maybe a waste of time. We could go into a whole bunch of things about technology, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm going to say, you know, worry about your sure. online worship is is a waste of time. Amen. <laughs> um, we, we need to fall in love with worship. Mm. We don't need to fall in love with technology or mm. production yeah. values. Those are important. Don't get me wrong. I love a good fade from one camera angle to another as much as anybody. I didn't even know what that meant two years ago, but I now, you know, I love that. But we don't need to fall in love with that. We need to fall in love with the with worship. Just a, a quick example. A couple of weeks ago, we had an ice storm here in, in Greensboro. And so we had to record our service in advance. We'd been we'd gotten in, into the process of of live streaming our service on Sunday morning. And we all had to meet on Saturday afternoon and and pre-record it. And we went back to those days that we had been in the early days of 2020. And the the whole experience of worship suddenly became, well, what if I say the wrong thing? What can I can I stop and re-record this? We have to get these transitions 100 percent right. And all I just realized that the life just got sucked out of that worship mm-hmm. service, at least for me as a participant in the room. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think it came across well to those who were who were who were, um, who were actually watching the next morning when we broadcast it. But we worried about worship, and that mm-hmm. was not what we were called to do or mm-hmm. to be. And don't worry, <laughs> don't worry about <laughs> about the production values. Yeah, try to prioritize audio and try to do this and try to do those things. But if you don't get it right, you know it's okay. Mm-hmm. I often, seem, often, seem to remember often, somebody else yeah. saying that. <laughs> don't worry thing don't worry <laughs> i do think it i do think it's important though as we you know want us to do it as best as we can how how can we can always possibly improve and i feel like everybody kind of needs to, to be on that you know course but um you know i think the engagement of somebody at home is so important and again when i look around you know i'm sure we can do things better ourselves but when i look at other united methodist churches is the church engaging with the people watching in the comments like that, you know, that's just, mm. just a, yep. a pretty simple thing. Is somebody watching that and engaging is, you know, during our services, and I know this is harder for larger churches, but we ask for prayer requests in the service. So anybody in the pews can actually lift those up. And again, that's hard to do with a congregation of 500. You'd be there all day, but, you know, luckily our size, we're able to do that. And, but we also, before we even get into the prayer time in the service, have shared, if you would like to share your prayer requests, leave those in the comments and we'll bring those up here in a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so the people that are at home can actually leave those in the comments and I'll read them out live during worship so that their prayer requests that they're sharing are being prayed upon in front of everyone, just as if they were there in the pews. And I think, you know, inviting people to light candles or, you know, I won't go into communion, uh, virtual or not, uh, <laughs> Thank you. But like inviting people in the ways that the church, you know, can to be an active participant or active part of the worship service, um, I think makes all the difference. And I think our churches, that's one of the things that I see when I look at other people's services is that they're lacking, is that connection, that relationship. And all that might not seem as personable in the comments, that is your that's your chance to engage with a first time person or really honestly anybody, but like 
that is a lot of people's first time meeting you, not handshaking at the front door or waving at the front door. It's it's that comment that you respond to let them know, hello, we're glad you're here or we're praying for your prayer request or whatever. You know, production value, important, but the relationship building and connection building in, in a virtual space is just so important. And I think our churches can do so much better. Rob? Yeah, just to... Uh, you know, other information you say you want to share. I think Stephen just nailed this part of the future uh, of what's the future of digital ministry and some of these most important things are is, and I think what's going to be measured and the most important measurement for us is not viewers, but participants and how we can delineate between a participant and a viewer is yeah. engagement, what Stephen was talking about. And so pouring time and effort into an intentional hospitality for your online thing and, and having somebody who is greeting people when they come in and finding, having intentional pathways for people to be able to share who they are and what their information is. And, you know, what we're measuring is who are we connected to and, and what are we doing so that we can give as many opportunities for people who are just popping in or just, or who are those, you know, secret worshipers who don't want to share their information mm-hmm. uh, as many avenues as we can to connect with them so that we can be engaged with them because we want to know who they are and uh, we want to be to walk with them on wherever they are in their journey of faith. And, and so if we're not focused on the engagement side and just worried about how people are viewing us, then again, I think we've missed the point. Amen. Well, if I, if I can do my preacher interpretation of a bit of wisdom, when Mike says, don't worry, he doesn't mean don't care. <laughs> Sometimes we hear don't worry. It means, oh, well, just slack off. It's no big deal. No, we care. We just don't fret. Uh, that's that's the difference. Mm-hmm. And and we don't fret about the technology, but we do care about the engagement. That's what I'm hearing from you, Rob, and you, Stephen, both, and, and Mike as well. We we appreciate the time that you have spent with us um, in recording this podcast. I guess I want to give you one last chance if there's one bit of wisdom or thought that you want to share before we end this, I'll give you one more shot at that. Anything that has come to mind that you wish would have asked or you had a chance to say? As far as not fretting, we are at the bend of the internet these days, and there will be a time that your internet, five minutes before your worship service, does not work. <laughs> yeah. So again, don't fret, take a breath. You know, I think that it's, that's the emergency moment, those first five minutes uh, before to make sure everything's running smoothly. So I think just taking a step back and remembering that might not always work, but uh, hopefully. <laughs> and remember your mic is on. <laughs> or the mic or whatever. There's so many things that could go wrong or, or not be heard or seen or whatnot, but just to, to bring and that it will be okay. Be present. Be mm-hmm. mindful. That was good. Thanks, Stephen. Micah, Rob, any, any last words? Yeah, from, from my perspective, two things maybe. There, there's help for the technology. There are a lot of resources out there. Just just start start simple. Don't start don't start with the fanciest, and you probably don't need to end with the fanciest either. That's that's kind of one thing. You're you're not alone. There are others out there who want to help you with on this journey. But but maybe this the second thing and probably the most important thing is just authenticity. Is mm-hmm. is is you know, yeah. And that that's that's that. I'll I'll leave it at that. That's a perfect word. Um, yeah. People visit and they've been around for a while where this conversation actually makes sense and it's not weird because they just walked in the door for the first time. I do say if they have acknowledged that they've been with us online. I, I say something to the effect of, I hope that what you experienced here in person was consistent with what you were hoping for from visiting us online. I think that is so important that whatever you're presenting online should feel exactly 
like somebody would experience walking inside. Mm. Yep. Great. Yeah. And I'll, I'll end on that same tag team with that. I, in fact, I had written down authenticity matters much more than perfect production. And I'll segue to the last thing I'd like to leave us with is, is let's continue to remind ourselves uh, that the most important person and uh, entity that needs to be in the middle of all these things is the spirit. We've got to be sure that what we're doing is leaning into, leaning on and coming from and, and rooted in and filled with with the spirit. And that's what will enable us to not worry. That's what will enable us to be focused on the people that we need to be focused on and to to just give ourselves into and give ourselves away to, to let the spirit rule. And that's who we're worshiping in the first place. And uh, we don't have to make room for it. The spirit is going to relentlessly pursue us into even the digital spaces. And uh, we, our job, I think, is to is to acknowledge that and to point people to that. And uh, the spirit shows up every time, um, Amen. every single Amen. time. Amen. Sometimes in surprising ways. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to thank you all, uh, Rob Hutchinson and Mike Simon. Um, and Stephen Adair for spending some time with us in this recording. And, and uh, for all those who are listening in, we want to thank you for joining us today. We hope you found something helpful or at least encouraging to you. And remember, you can always find more information at our website, umcdiscipleship.org. And we want you to tell us what you think. So send us an email, ask some questions or, or push us a little bit further. But Until next time, we'll be praying for and with you and your congregation. So may God continue to bless your worship ministry as you continue to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. This podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.